Ooh, girl, turn that up. What song is this? Girl, this my song. You don't know this? I don't think so. Let me turn it up. Okay. I like this. Girl, right? Girl, this is my jam. Hello, everybody. Welcome to My Sister's Jam, episode two. This is your host, Camille, and I'm here with my big sis, Melissa, or Missy. Hey, Missy. Hey, girl. Hey, hey. What's so, going on? Whole lot of nothing, girl. Got my drink. Got some rosé today. And I got some 100 proof whiskey. I forget the brand. And pineapple juice. Sounds delicious. <laughs> I've got cheap rosé from Walmart, whatever brand that is. Anywho, y'all, we have a lot to cover in this episode, so we want to jump right in. But first, we do have some housekeeping to go over. So first things first, I want to make sure that y'all know that you can check out the show notes or the episode description um, every week to find a list of the songs that we'll be discussing in each episode. So we've got the songs listed out there, and we also have a playlist uh, made on Tidal, Apple Music, and Spotify. So if you see any songs that you don't know in the list, head over to one of those linked playlists so you can check it out and you can know what we're talking about. Um, and of course, also we'll post the uh, the music on our Instagram and Facebook pages every Thursday when the episodes come out. So you can look there too. Uh, so we also wanted to share some feedback. Thank you listeners so much for the yeah. feedback that we got. We, we got, love yes, we got some great feedback off our first episode. Thank you everyone who listened. Thank you for reaching out and letting us know what you thought about it. We wanted to highlight um, an email that we got from a really dear listener uh, she said that we got her to thinking about her own life soundtrack and she let us know what song she would choose uh, to put on the soundtrack. So she mentioned Cars That Go Boom by Latrim and she said that that reminds her of how she met her husband. She also mentioned Beautiful Boy by John Lennon uh, and she mentioned that that really expresses how she feels about her son. And then another song, Fat Bottomed Girls by Queen. Yes. Yes. She mm -hmm. said her uh, her late father bought her the vinyl for this one when she was young and it helped her with her self-confidence at, at a really tough time when when we as adolescents or preteens kind of deal with the confidence. This uh, song was important to her at that time. So thank you so much, listener, for sharing that with us. Uh, and then one more thing. We did want to mention uh, some responses that we got from one of our posts on on Instagram and Facebook the other day. We asked, what songs are on your playlist when it comes down to sexy time? <laughs> so shout out to everybody. <laughs> shout out to everybody that answered on that post. A few of our IG followers, we got EC77 uh, recommended the song Say It Again by her. Uh, another IG follower, Muzak is Muse, recommended Masterpiece by Salt. And mm -hmm. another IG follower, Kiana, her mother, <laughs> we got a young, we got a youngin in the house who had to consult her mom about uh, the sexy time playlist. Kiana mentioned "Meeting in My Bedroom" by Silk, which I, I think that's on everybody's <laughs> that's on everybody's sexy time playlist. Kiana, tell your mother she right. 
Yes, she is. Come on, mama. Tell mama tune in because this is the podcast for her. She She's right up our alley. That's for sure. <laughs> so y'all just remember to be sure to follow us on IG and Facebook and respond to any of our polls or posts that we put up uh, and just comment and like and share. We may shout you guys out. Okay. Perfect. And um, also one last bit um, of feedback. Um, we did have an IG follower inbox us and mentioned that she loved our first episode and she downloaded a few of the songs that she had never heard of and loved. So that is definitely like a top tier feedback that we want to hear because we love the idea of recommending new music to people. So, hey, y'all, hey, hopefully Absolutely. you're listening to our second episode. Yes, welcome back if you are. So, sister, do you want to go ahead and take us into this day in music history? What happened on this day? This is July 20th. All right, y'all. So, on July 20th, today in 1940, Billboard magazine published its first comprehensive record chart. And in this first list of charting uh, songs, their first number one was the song I'll Never Smile Again by Frank Sinatra. Mm. And also on this day in 2017, uh, Chester Bennington, the the lead singer of Linkin Park, was found dead in a private home after committing suicide by hanging, which is very unfortunate because we are Linkin Park fans. And as a matter of fact, if you go to our Instagram and Facebook pages, we did post a reel a few weeks back of the Linkin Park and Jay-Z mashup Numb Encore, which is which is like one of my favorite songs ever. Um, yes. You guys, and it's actually one of our most watched reels so far since we started the podcast. And um, make sure you guys go and check that out because the song is lit. But rest in peace to Chester Bennington and he is definitely missed. Definitely missed. Very interesting facts. Thanks, sister. So y'all, today we are going to get into our favorite musical families. So if my sister, again, y'all remember I said big sisters go first. If my big sister wants to go ahead and jump in, she's going to give us some info about the DeBarge family. You ready to go, sis? Okay. Yes, I am ready to go. So, and just a disclaimer, you guys. So we are very excited because there is so much to unpack in this special episode that this will be our first two-parter. 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 <laughs> guys, this is going to be a two-parter. And so this will be the first part where we both discuss our favorite musical families. I chose the DeBarge family because DeBarge. Because DeBarge. Exactly. <laughs> so. Let's get right on into it. So starting with their family and upbringing, uh, Robert Louis DeBarge Sr. was the patriarch of the family and was born in 1932 in Cicero, Illinois. Hmm. And the matriarch of the family was, is, I should say is, she is still with us, uh, Adeline DeBarge, and she was born in 1935 in Royal Oak, Michigan. Now, Robert was a U.S. Army soldier of French and English descent when he met Etterling. And they met in around, in the research, I couldn't get a firm year, but it was 
around 1952-1953 when they met. While Adeline was an African American girl at the age of only 17 at the time. Oh, well, she was young. They were, right, she was young. Um, they were both living in Detroit when they met seemingly by happenstance. So according to Adeline, she and a friend were at a roller rink in Detroit hanging out when she met an army soldier by the name of Robert Barnes that she took a liking to. When she called the nearby army base to talk to him after they met for the first time, the person who picked up the phone must have misunderstood the name of who she was looking for. <laughs> and they gave the phone to Robert DeBarge instead of Barnes. <laughs> and so, Not mean, with the interception. Wait a minute. <laughs> yes, I can kind of see it. Like DeBarge, Barnes, you know, they was probably hollering and yelling or whatever they do on the army base. I don't know. <laughs> and he was like, oh, DeBarge. You know, so. But uh, according to her memoir, the other side of the pain, that was the beginning of a history of abuse and trauma in their family. Oh no. So, right. So Robert moved extremely fast and was very assertive in his pursuit of Adderling. Now she was only 17 and she had recently lost her father. I want to say like maybe six months prior to her meeting Robert. And they went on to marry in 1953 when she was still 17 and he was 21. Now, so she you, mentioned, you really mean right? that he moved fast, fast. <laughs> he moved fast, fast. Like the courtship was very fast, like a few months. So you get a phone call from a girl accidentally and you marry her within the year. Right. Okay. I'm following. Let's go. Right. That's how that went. And so... She also said that because her she had lost her father, her father had passed away like a few months prior to the meeting. She said if her father wasn't, if her father was still around, there's no way they would have gotten married. Oh, no. Not too long after that they married, she discovered that Robert had a dark side. Not only was he physically abusive to her, but he was also extremely jealous. He was controlling didn't want her wearing makeup and jewelry to look prettier than she already was. Now, while I was researching, I did pull up some pictures of her and she is very cute. I mean, mm. sister is sassy and classy and cute, even in her seventies. So okay. I can only imagine how cute she was back then. So he didn't want her doing these things to improve her appearance. And he used the tactic of keeping her pregnant to keep her inside the house. You know how some of them mm -hmm. can do. Yeah, that's definitely uh -huh. um, a form of abuse. Okay. Yes, that's a form of abuse. That's a form of manipulation. So between the years of 1955 and 1970, she gave birth to 10 children. Ooh. Mm -hmm. That was a full house. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hope they had a big no. old house. Right. Um, I don't know. I actually didn't see that. That would have been nice for me to find out. But anyway, the abuse did not end or did not slow with the birth of their children. In fact, Robert was also physically and sexually abusive to their children. Oh, geez. And in 1974, Adeline left Robert and took her 10 children 
and moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And once they were there, exactly, they, uh, the family found solace and developed their love of music and instrumentation while members at Adderlene's brother's church, Bethel Pentecostal church. Okay. Okay. So that was just a positive turning point for them. And from there, they pretty much flourished in the ways that I'm going to talk about now. The DeBarge group was formed with, of course, a few of these uh, 10 children that she had. The group went through a few uh, band member changes in the late 80s. But the original members who were called the DeBarges Mm -hmm. in 1979, that was what the original group name was called. These members included Adderlene Bunny DeBarge, Eldra L. DeBarge, Mark Marty DeBarge, and William Randy DeBarge. Now, these four DeBarge siblings, they moved to L.A. in search of superstardom in the music industry. And the quartet were signed to Motown Records subsidiary label, Gordy Records, after playing for Motown CEO, Barry Gordy. By the way, they were able to score this meeting due to another DeBarge brother's success at Motown prior, which we'll, I'll go more into that in part two of this episode. After being signed, they underwent a little over a year of training in Motown and released their debut album, The DeBarges, in 1981. The album had little success and failed to chart. Oh, man. At, right. I mean... Not even at all? Not not even low on the chart? (laughs) No, I mean, it just just failed to chart. And then it's like, considering what we know of them, that's kind of strange. But anyway, we're Mm -hmm. getting to it. James DeBarge was added to the group in 1982, and they released their second studio album, All This Love, in 1982. Mm -hmm. Robert Bobby DeBarge Jr. replaced a member of the group who eventually left at one point. I'll also get into that later. And Jonathan Mm -hmm. Chico DeBarge replaced the member who left the group. Now, I had to take a deep sigh when I mentioned Chico DeBarge because y'all will find out in future episodes, I have very strong feelings for Chico DeBarge. (laughs) Does Chico know this? (laughs) No, he he don't. But I... Girl, I love some um, Chico DeBarge. But uh, anyway, anyway. So that's just a little bit of background about their family and how the uh, group started, the original mm-hmm. members, etc. And so some of their career achievements include uh, the group recorded a total of five studio albums. I mentioned one, the one that didn't chart. Their second album, All This Love, was released in 1982 and was certified gold and peaked at number three on the Billboard Top R&B and Hip Hop Albums chart. And it peaked at number 24 on the Billboard 200, which was very, very good. This was like their first hit album. Their third album, In a Special Way, also went gold certified and peaked at number four on Billboard Top R&B and Hip Hop Albums chart. Their fourth album, Rhythm of the Night, was a certified gold record and peaked at number three on the Billboard Top R&B and Hip Hop albums, and number 19 on the Billboard 200. Very cool. that 
is it for me on the history of the DeBarge family. And y'all, we really had to cut down on this for this episode, which is why it's going to be a (laughs) two-parter. Yeah, because there's a lot to tell about these two families that we're going to talk about today. There's a lot, but we're giving you the Cliff's Notes version. Um, Right. And of course, we'll go into it a little bit more. Right, right. And so, uh, and of course, you know, this is my sister's jam. We will be discussing our favorite family jams, but uh, that's the end of my history portion for my family. And now sister, my baby sister is going to talk about her favorite musical family. Yes. So I had to be a little bit cliche, y'all. And I had to go with the Jacksons. Because how can you not go with the Jacksons? Because I mean, how, how can you say your favorite musical family and not choose the Jacksons? How can someone not say the Jacksons in an episode like this? So here we are. I'm saying the Jacksons. And I don't think I'm the only one that loves the Jacksons. Okay. <laughs> There's plenty of us out here. Um, so okay. I'm going to go into a little bit of history uh, about them. So the Jacksons were an American pop soul vocal group that was massively popular in the 70s. Obviously, this is the group that launched the career of singer, songwriter, and dancer Michael Jackson, who we all know and love. And he was the most popular entertainer in the world in the early to mid-1980s. Let's see, can can we pause there and just talk about how you are the most popular entertainer in the world? Like, how does that feel? I, I'll never know. I'll never, I'll never know. <laughs> how, about, how about I meant to send you that reel on Instagram the other day that I saw somebody posted that clip of when Michael performed at the Super Bowl and he like busted out of the stage and oh, stood yeah. there and did nothing and people was falling out. He was just yeah. standing there people and doing nothing. People pass out. out when Michael Jackson stands there. Like that uh like, another part of me music video is just people passing out the whole time <laughs> and he's not really doing anything. I don't know, but we love him. We love him. So anyway. Forever. Forever. So the members of the Jackson Five were Sigmund. Now I learned some new first names for these people. Sigmund Jackie Jackson. So that's who we know as Jackie. Toriano. I don't know that because mom loved Jackie. I wonder if she knows that. I don't know if she did or not. We're gonna have mom didn't know that. She's listening. Hey mama. (laughs) Hey mom, shout out. Hey girl. Did you know Jackie's name was Sigmund? Okay. She probably did not. But okay. (laughs) Mom hit us up on Instagram. Tell us if you knew that Jackie's name was Sigmund. Uh Toriano, or who we know as Tito Jackson. Jermaine Jackson, Marlon, and of course, Michael. Uh, Mm. And eventually, it also included Stephen, or who we know as Randy Jackson, who knew his name was Stephen. I don't know where they get these names. Uh, I don't know. But anywho, so those were the members of the Jackson Five. Uh, The group sprang from a family of nine children, almost like the DeBarges, just nine children born to Joseph who was a stern, temperamental disciplinarian, and I'm putting that nicely, uh, and Catherine Jackson, and she was a devout Jehovah's Witness, and they were born in our hometown of Gary, Indiana. Now, Joseph Jackson was a a one-time professional guitarist who worked 
also as a crane operator for a steel company. And I think I can guess that steel company. I think <laughs> there's someone very close in relation to me that also works at that steel company. Shout out that, to our Gary, Indiana listeners at work on. right now. <laughs> right. If, you, if you're at the steel mill and you're listening, <laughs> shout out to you. Uh, but he was a crane operator at a steel company in Gary. And uh, he noticed that his three eldest sons, Jackie, Tito and Jermaine, took an interest in his guitar. And that prompted him to begin shaping them and, uh, and a pair of their cousins, Johnny Jackson and Ronnie Ransifer, into a musical group around 1962. That's something I never knew. I never knew they started with just the three brothers and a couple cousins. Did you know that? I don't think so. And I'm trying to think back to the movie and I don't quite remember seeing that in the movie. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. new to me. That's new. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in around 1964, the cousins were eventually replaced uh, by Joseph's sons, Marlon and Michael, who was only five years old at the time. So it says, start y'all young, Mike. Get get up there and start singing. (laughs) Little Michael. So having attained local popularity um, around town, I even read that they performed at Roosevelt High School. We've got some family members that graduated from Roosevelt. We've got family members that went to school with some of these uh, members of the Jacksons family. So that's pretty cool. But they performed around town and were uh, getting popular locally. Uh, They recorded a single for the Gary Bass. Say it again. I think that was in a movie that when they performed at Roosevelt, they oh. they did a show about in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to watch that again. I haven't seen it in a, in yeah, a long time. Overdue. We mm-hmm. overdue. Let's see. Where is it streaming? I wonder, is it on anything like Hulu? Anyway, Probably not. I okay. digress. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, so they recorded a single for the Gary Bay Steel Town label. And the group now called the Jackson Five came to the attention of at least two performers affiliated with Motown Records. This was Bobby Taylor, a member of the Vancouver's, and Gladys Knight. Like how mm-hmm. cool to catch the eye of Gladys Knight. <laughs> yes. So Mot- Motown president Barry Gordy was so impressed with the dazzling youngsters that he signed them to his label in 1969. Uh, They scored four consecutive number one pop hits with I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, and I'll Be There, all in 1970. And throughout the early 70s, they continued to churn out hits for Motown. Um, Around 71, Motown executives began grooming Michael and Jermaine for their solo careers that would run kind of concurrently with the Jackson 5. Um, Of course, Michael was the first to debut his own toward the end of 1971 and was an instant success uh his first two singles got to be there and rock and robin both made the top five and later in 1972 he scored his pop number one with ben now jermaine Mm -hmm. debuted at the end of 1972 and his first single daddy's home reached the top 10 though the follow-ups didn't really reach the momentum or, or or i should say uh sustain the momentum like michael's did clearly but um, but in the meantime, the hype around the Jackson 5 kind of began to die down um, and they scored what would be their last major hit for Motown, which was Dancing Machine in 1974. Hey. Yeah, so that was um, kind of a nod to the emerging sound of disco and it did mm-hmm. top the R&B charts. So Dancing Machine was definitely yeah, a hit. Yeah. Absolutely, it did. It is. Um, now, During this time, the group had began to become frustrated with Motown. Um, The label 
seemed less interested in their career, um, but they still refused to allow the Jacksons to write or choose their own material or play their own instruments or, or records. So finally, in early 1976, they left Motown to sign with Epic. When the legal mm-hmm. battles finally ended, Motown won a breach of contract settlement and retained the rights to the Jackson 5 name. So that forced them to become the Jacksons. So mm-hmm. I'll make a little note. I'm probably going to use those names interchangeably in the rest of this episode because I can't really remember what year they made a certain song under what name and all of this. So to me, right. it's just, am I saying the Jackson 5 or the Jacksons? It's all the same to me. But just so y'all know the history, the name actually did change. <laughs> all right. And they also uh, lost Jermaine whose marriage to Barry Gordy's daughter, Hazel, made it extremely impractical for him to join his brothers. And I remember that part in the movie or something about (laughs) Jermaine and Hazel. (laughs) This is my sister. Listen, me and my sister's favorite part. (laughs) This this, this is me and my sister's favorite part of this movie, y'all. Jermaine could not take that pressure. I can't take this pressure. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> driving him nuts, y'all. He Jermaine was overwhelmed. He had to hit the wall and everything. The boy was overwhelmed, okay? Anyway, that is hilarious. He could not take the pressure. Anywho, so Jermaine was replaced by uh, his younger brother, Randy. So that's where kind of the sixth man comes in. Um, And Randy had already kind of been appearing unofficially with the group um, as a percussionist from time to time. But he was then officially in when he replaced Jermaine. So uh, once the group was with Epic, they truly assumed control over their music and hit full stride um, on 1978's album, Destiny which most regard as the strongest studio album the Jacksons recorded together. Destiny was self-produced and largely self-written, and its success helped encourage Michael to return to his solo work. But in the midst of becoming a star in his own right, he did remain with his brothers for the time being, helping them record a Grammy-nominated follow-up to Destiny in their 1980s album, Triumph. So Jermaine, um, yeah, he did, Jermaine did re- uh, rejoin the group, in 1984 for their album victory which is the only album to feature oh. all six brothers oh yeah, yeah okay i didn't I gotta, know that either i didn't yeah it's ringing a bell but i gotta go back and look at that Mm-hmm. so the jacksons reconvened in 89 as well for the album 2300 jackson street which oh, featured okay. every jackson sibling except for latoya on the title cut uh, in 97, where the Jackson. Toya? What was she doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she would be active sometimes. Like, like she was too good to be with. Yeah, like, but where are you? We're like, girl, what, what were you doing, though? But anyway. Not participating. I don't know. Which Kardashian <laughs> is it that doesn't participate? She's like that one. It's a Kardashian sister that's like, nope, I'm not into it. I think it's... Oh, okay. Courtney, right. maybe. I don't know. Latoya oh, must have been like that. I don't that. know them. I don't, know them I don't either. <laughs> I don't know them either, but there's one that doesn't participate. I know that much. Well, Girl, anywho. Speak, remember we was um somewhere. We were somewhere, me, you, mom, and Wilga, and she was watching something on TV. It was the Kardashians commercial. And mom was like, what is this? Oh, this them Kardashians. And Wilga was like, what's a Kardashian? <laughs> <laughs> what is a Kardashian? <laughs> I was like, 
I don't know, honey. You know, and I kept we still we're years later. We're still trying to figure that out. I don't know what a Kardashian is, but it's popular. Whatever it is, <laughs> but no shame to the Kardashian lovers. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if that's your thing, it's your thing. We everybody's got a, a guilty pleasure. It's all good. Um, but, okay. but yeah, lastly, I was going to mention in '97 the Jackson Five was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So pretty okay. cool and pretty well deserved. Um, yeah. So as far as a few of their career achievements. Um, They were nominated for three Grammys. Uh, In 71, ABC was nominated for Best Contemporary Vocal Performance by a Duo, Group, or Chorus. Uh, In 1975, Dancing Machine was nominated for Best R&B Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group. And in 81, Triumph was nominated for Best R&B Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group as well. Um, Couple more. They won an NAACP Image Award for best vocal group four times they won in 1970 71 72 and 1980 and then this one was really interesting to me the united states congress awarded the jackson five with a special commendation for positive role models in 1972 so cool didn't know you could get awards from congress okay for being positive role models okay jackson's right exactly so that's it for uh, the history on them. So I hope there was a, at least a couple nuggets in there that y'all didn't already know. I know the Jacksons are extremely well known, uh, but hopefully you you learned a thing or two new about them uh, from that. And so now I guess we'll get right into kind of sharing our favorite jams from these families. This is the fun part, y'all. We had to educate you a little bit, but now we're going to get into the fun of these jams. All of that history, yes. sister. Of Thank course. you for all of that, girl. Because I know you had to cut down about five or six pages, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, so yes, like my sister said, we are going to talk about our favorite uh, jams from these families. And so I picked five of my favorite DeBarge jams. And the first one I'm going to talk about briefly is A Dream. This song was released in 1983 off the In a Special Way album. This was one of the few songs done by DeBarge where the sister, Bunny, contributed both lead vocals and songwriting to the track. Now, the song was actually never released as a single. It's like I'm always liking songs that were never released as a single. <laughs> you no, like that's them not deep cuts. True. But, you know, that's not always true because that makes me sound like some kind of music aficionado. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm, it was never released as a single. But it is heavily, heavily sampled and very popular in R&B music. And this particular song is actually sampled across multiple genres, including Tupac's I Ain't Mad At Ya and Lady Gaga's Paper Gangster. Very cool. Yes. I don't think I know that Lady Gaga song. I'm going to have to check that one out. Well, I listened to it a little bit and it's definitely sampled in there. Mm, Nice. Okay. In the music. In the music mostly gotcha well one of my picks for the jacksons this is this is one of my favorite jackson songs that i'm starting out with show you the way to go i really like that Baby. song yes it's, it's a hit it's a hit that's one of my top five favorites right there man yes 
Now, um, don't have a whole lot of info about it, but it was the second single um, from the album, The Jacksons. So see, I already, no, I called them The Jacksons. I was going to say, I already mixed it up. I said Jackson 5 a second ago, <laughs> but no, The Jacksons. Um, this, Yep, it's the first single, um, number one in the UK. And it charted oh. at, yeah, in the UK. Uh-huh. It charted at number six on the R&B singles chart and number 28 on the Hot 100 in the U.S. Um, And it was later covered by Danny Minogue, which is Kylie Minogue's sister that I didn't know she had, um, in 1992. Oh, Oh, okay. Now, girl, show you the way to go. I feel a way about that song. So I understand why that's number one. Yes, that's number one on my list. For sure. Okay. Well, my second favorite DeBarge cut I talk about is Love Me in a Special Way. Woo! Now that's one of girl. my favorite yeah. DeBarge cuts. Woo, girl. Um, interesting story. Um, my best friend, Christy. Girl, I hope you don't mind me saying your name because I sure did not ask you before we started recording. Girl. Hey, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> Christy actually introduced me to this song at her house. And I feel like we were still in middle school. I can't remember. But we were singing it at the top of our lungs in her house because this song, it has kind of a gospel sound to it, especially towards the end where the remaining family members come in. It sounds so amazing. It almost sounds like a choir towards the end, but it is just so fantastic. Now, Love Me in a Special Way. It's also off of the In a Special Way album. It reached number 11 on the Billboard R&B Singles chart and number 45 on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, I don't know if you remember the harmonica part in the song. It was like mm, this little bit of a part playing a harmonica. So that was Stevie Wonder that played that part in the song. He played wow. the harmonica. Wow. Fun fact. Not- Right. That is just, you know, it probably should have been number one for me, but I love all these songs so much, but Love Me in a Special Way is like forever one of my favorite DeBarge songs. Absolutely. Um, so the rest of mine are in no particular order as far as favoritism goes, but <laughs> but the next one. I, I don't even know why I said that because I don't, I don't really think I had that in mind I mean, when I was- <laughs> but my first one just I think it just happened to be my favorite but I don't know right. they all my favorite if we're being honest but right. the next one that I will cover <laughs> is um, Dancing Machine that we talked about a little bit earlier uh, yes. so Michael Michael and Jermaine share lead vocals on this song so it wasn't just all Michael up front this time <laughs> mm. um, I didn't know that there were two versions of this song so the first version uh, it was just an album cut and it was included on the Jackson 5 album G-I-T, Get It Together. That's an acronym. Okay, wow. <laughs> get It Together. Wow. Right. <laughs> and it was on that album uh, it released in September of 73. Um, in 1974, a remixed version of Dancing Machine was released as a single and went to number two on the Hot 100. <laughs> yeah, it also topped the R&B chart, like I mentioned earlier, giving the group their sixth and final number one on that tally. Um, the song was reportedly uh, reportedly sold over 3 million copies. It popularized the complicated robot dance technique. <laughs> Isn't oh, the robot complicated, man. though? I, 
I call it complicated, but I don't know. Every dance technique is complicated for me, but every dance technique I can't get. Listen, it popularized <laughs> the robot. Well, it it made the dance popular. Um, and Michael Jackson first performed the dance on television while singing Dancing Machine with the Jackson 5 on an episode of Soul Train in November of 73, November 3rd, Soul 1973. Train. Yes. Yeah. Come on, Soul Train. Okay. I feel like that's a little bit of an iconic moment like that, that we know the date that Michael Jackson first did the robot on TV. Like, right. <laughs> it's like, pretty okay, cool. Like- Pretty cool, but yeah. So you know, dancing machine. You gotta, you gotta hit, hit the robot with that. Right. <laughs> and next debarge cut is all this love. Now is that my favorite debarge cut? I they all my favorite. Had some problems, and no one could see. Okay, let me let me stop. I can't yeah. give y'all all these skills. Can't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't play music on the podcast. I'm like, I can sang. we sing music? <laughs> I sang. Let me stop it. Let me stop it. Okay. You did that. Uh, all this love is the third, or should I say, was the f- third and final single released from the album of the same name. Mm-hmm. All this love quickly became one of their biggest hits. Obviously, charting at number one on the Billboard adult contemporary chart number five on the hot r&b and hip-hop chart number 17 on the billboard hot 100. now l debarge he, he another one that i love that's real close to me <laughs> way, whenever i say his name now l debarge had written the song a year before release in hopes that their label mate marvin gabe would record it but by the time the song was ready to begin production, Marvin had already left Motown. And so the group recorded it for themselves. The song was also featured in an episode of the soap opera Days of Our Lives in 1983. Very that interesting. That, that, that is my song. You start getting into these DeBarge and Jackson songs, you'd be like, no, that's my favorite. No, that's my favorite. No, that one. Right? Y'all, this playlist hidden. We When we were putting the playlist, playlist together for this playlist. episode... We're texting each other like, yo, the playlist yeah. is hidden. So it's even crazy. if you already know the songs, just go listen to the playlist because it's a vibe when you put it all together. It's a whole vibe. Y'all going to have to go to wherever you listen to your playlist. We got them all linked because y'all going to be riding in y'all car like, oh, oh. Yes. Hit after hit. Mm-hmm. So uh, my next Jackson hit is Never Can Say Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's a song about, you know, those relationships that aren't really working, but you also aren't really ending them. You know, those kind of relationships. (laughs) That's what Never Can Say Goodbye is about. Um, You know, I think we all probably know. (laughs) I can say goodbye, though. I'll be saying goodbye. Bye, sister. I'm saying bye to you, first of all. (laughs) I mean, we're not done, girl. I'm not gonna say bye to you yet, but I, you 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 need to get it together. <laughs> so okay. when they sang "Never Can Say Goodbye," Michael Jackson was only 12 years old at the time, singing this heartfelt, been through, broken heart, you know, type music, 
and he, he was that, only though. 12. He sang that he sang at 12 that. years old, but he really had that ability to to put the uh, appropriate emotions into the music, even though I'm sure at that point in his life, he had not felt them firsthand, um, but oh, definitely yeah. put it into the music. Um, but Motown actually had some concerns about the song being too adult for the group. Um, but Hal Davis, who produced the track, had uh, kind of had some pull around the office and he convinced them to go ahead and release it as a single. And good thing he did because the song climbed to number two on the Hot 100 and also gave them their fifth number one R&B hit. Um, the song was originally written and intended for the Supremes. Um, it was oh. the first single released from the group's 1971 album, Maybe Tomorrow, and it was one of the group's most successful records. Um, and that's, this is another one that's uh, been, well, you mentioned samples, but this one's been covered um, numerous right. times. Yeah, this one's been covered mm-hmm. most notably in 1974 by Gloria Gaynor and in 1987. Oh, mm-hmm. And uh, in 87 by British pop group, The Communards. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now that is very cool. Yes. All right, man. Fourth DeBarge hit. I like it. Ooh. Another hit. Another jam. I've been thinking about you. Girl, I sound just like them, don't I? Girl, you sound just like them. I'm over I here know, vibing. I'm with the Johnny, vibes. You don't, you don't have to tell me, girl. Y'all don't want me to sing. She'll be better than me because if I start singing. <laughs> I sang the booty up last week. I sang a little bit of the booty oh, up yeah, last week's episode. <laughs> I owed you a few. There I you go. You. Okay. All right. Now, I Like It was the second single released from the album All This Love. I Like It was DeBarge's first huge hit ever, hitting number two on the Billboard Hot R&B and Hip Hop chart and number 31 on the Billboard Hot 100 probably their most sampled and covered song and is considered a Motown classic by those who love the Motown sound. Mm-hmm. I absolutely live for Randy's vocals. So I'm not sure cause I haven't really listened to like their lesser known songs, Yeah, but I feel like you really don't get to hear Randy's vocals very much. Mm-hmm. Like you hear a lot of bunny and you hear a lot of L and they both hit, mm-hmm. but I love, randy's vocals on this track in a major way and i don't know if he really gets the credit that he deserves for his voice Mm. he did that because my favorite part is like the first part nice yep (laughs) she had it again y'all that's him right there all you gotta do is listen to me (laughs) yes so you said that one sampled a lot so that's their song y'all where you probably recognize you know like the little cadence so how they say isn't this i like the way you xyz i like the way you one two three yeah yeah so that's That's how it goes eight different songs that part right i'm like so y'all when y'all hear that i like the way you dot 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 i like the way you blah 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 (laughs) (laughs) yep that's it they got that from them (laughs) and nothing new under the sun is it (laughs) Right. right yeah that's definitely a jam um so Last couple, or yeah, we're going to wrap it up here in a minute. Um, Can You Feel It by the Jacksons. Mm. Now, that one is a jam. It's it's the it's the uh, the instruments for me, truly. Like, it's just truly. so good. It's so That's good. 
Yes. But uh, Can You Feel It was recorded in March of 1980. And it was released as the third single from their album, Triumph, in February of 81. Uh, The song reached number 77 on the pop charts and number 30 on the R&B charts in the United States. But it reached number six in the UK and number two in the Netherlands in 1981. So they were doing a whole lot of having a whole lot of success uh, overseas. That's for sure. Uh, How it only reached number 77 and number 30 here? How was that? I have not a clue because it's a jam, but uh, at least they appreciated it somewhere. They appreciated it in the Netherlands. <laughs> they knew good music, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Y'all was tripping here in the states, apparently. Yeah, clearly on that. Like in the states, but yeah, <laughs> but you wasn't tripping because you knew it was a jam. I knew. Well, and maybe you didn't really I know. You were you were a little bit thing. years old, but I I still knew. But you probably knew somewhere in your little sp- in your little bitty baby spirit, you knew. And so my last DeBarge choice, Rhythm of the Night. Rhythm of the Night is the band's biggest selling and best known hit and was released in 1985 from the band's fourth studio album of the same name. Mm-hmm. Rhythm of the Night gained the band airplay on MTV and VH1. Reached number one on the R&B charts and number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, this song was of course featured in the cult classic film, The Last Dragon. Now, have you seen The Last Dragon? Oh Lord, y'all. So uh, (laughs) let's pause here to say that I haven't seen anything. Oh no. I, I don't I don't see stuff, y'all. I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of movies. There's a lot of classics that I know I'm supposed to have seen, but I have not seen. So just cut me some slack, y'all, and don't take away my uh my black card when it comes to that cuz there might be some times where it might be on the line. Just let me keep it. Just be easy on me and just I, I don't know. But no, to answer the question, oh. I have not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your nephew has seen it. I Okay had your nephew watch it and he loved it. And so it's a cult classic film that was produced by Barry Gordy Mm -hmm. and therefore it had lots of Motown jams in it. Yes. And Rhythm of the Night was one of those jams. Mm -hmm. Um, Rhythm of the Night became their only major hit single in the UK. So it's kind of like the flip of what you were just saying of the Jacksons, right? Like Rhythm of the Night was their only hit in the UK. And the music video, right. Yeah, that was interesting. But the music video for the hit, which I remember they were like driving on cars and like Elle was sitting on the hood of the car or something, I think. And uh, <laughs> something around those lines, they were in this white car. Uh, it was DeBarge's first and last real music video. Oh. They, no. they didn't do any videos before that or after that. I wonder what is the reason. I don't know. I don't know. But I looked it up. I was like, that can't be right. This can't be it true. Was. Oh, well. I'm hey. like, how you not have a video for all this love? I mean, but, you know, maybe that just really wasn't a thing. I guess. I don't know. Okay. Well, cool. On to my last one. Yep. All right. Now, this might... See, y'all, I shouldn't have ever said that my first one, Show You yeah, The Way To Go, is my favorite because maybe this is my favorite. <laughs> Who's loving you? 
is my last song from the Jacksons. A Jam. Who's Loving You uh, was written by Smokey Robinson and it was originally recorded by his group, The Miracles, in 1960, which I somehow didn't know. And I'm fairly certain I should have known, but <laughs> but didn't know. But well, it was I recorded. It was somebody else's, I just didn't know who. Yeah. Well, there you are. Um, so it was released uh, by the Jacksons as a B-side of the Jackson 5's first single, I Want You Back. Um, so the Jackson 5 performed this on their first Ed Sullivan show appearance, which took place December 14th of 1969, when I Want You Back was climbing the charts. Uh, so this one is sampled many, many times. Um, a few artists that covered, I, I keep mixing up those. This was okay. covered, this was covered many, many times. Uh, and a few artists that covered it include Terrence Trent Darby, The Temptations, oh, oh. Right, uh, some heavy hitters here. Terrence Trent Darby, The Temptations, The Supremes, and In Vogue. And In Vogue is definitely my favorite. I love that In Vogue song. Hold on. Ooh, that's yes. my hit. That's, that's my jam, too. That, that is your sister's jam, okay? All of In Vogue's jam. Hold On is my jam. So that is um, very cool. That It's uh, clear to see that that song inspired a lot of other artists. So that's my last one. So y'all just be sure to join us for part two of this special episode as we just continue our deep dive into these insanely talented families, uh, including the unfortunate events that led to the group's demise, um, who went on to have successful solo careers, and of course, more of our favorite jams. So remember to follow us on social media. Of course, we're on Instagram and Facebook at My Sister's Jam on both places. Remember to rate and review, um, listen, share, like, follow, all of the things. Subscribe, whatever the word is. I think on Pandora, it says collect. Go on and push the collect button on the podcast to go. I think that's what it says. (laughs) Collect us and put us in your collection. Y'all go Go on and put us in the collection. Um, And remember (laughs) that you can also email us too if you have some feedback, um, any episode suggestions, anything like that. You can email us at mysistersjam at gmail.com. Sister, anything else we need to cover? Um, I don't think so. And just a, a last reminder, like we mentioned at the start of the show, we will have these songs available in various uh, playlists, Apple, Spotify. What's the other one? I, I uh, title. 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 Yep. Apple, Spotify, and Title. These playlists will be uploaded and available on the day of upload. The links will be in the show notes. Also, we will include these song choices in both our Instagram stories and in an Instagram post. And they'll also be um, on Facebook as well so that you guys can hear what it is that we're talking about. And if we introduce anything new to anyone, then we love it and we are here for it. Yes, absolutely here for it. All right, y'all. Well, Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again if you were here last week. Thanks for coming back. If this is your first episode, thanks for joining. And y'all have a good day, a good night. Be well. Bye. Bye.